stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Shout out to Frankie Morbidelli, Fabio Quattararo and Danilo Petrucci for setting and laying down the table. Then Marquez came home. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Good evening everybody, welcome to episode 191 of Motorsport 101, I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and uh, it feels a little bit empty in here, we are down 33% of our regular team, uh, Mr. one RJ O'Connell is on holiday and I can guarantee you right now he's in the middle of frosting his tips, And a boy, <laughs> enjoy the vacation son, say hi to Sarah for me, um, <laughs> but uh, with me, as always, is old reliable himself, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, it is fun to be here. So, so, so much stuff happened. It, it, it's... I don't know how RJ does the set list every week. Lordy, lord. Yeah, honestly, like, it took me about three days to, to formulate this. And it was like, oh. I don't know how you put it all together. And mine was somehow, like, way longer than his. I don't understand. Probably because I was probably being too sarcastic in there. I'm terrible. Who would have thought it? Yeah, I put, I put in a good two hours of keyboard slamming to get my notes together so so I would know everything. Two hours, King? It, 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 was, a lot, it was a lot of content. It was a lot of content. Meticulous detail I can only appreciate from us, the true professionals of motorsport podcasting. <laughs> Sorry, also, RJ still in that Discord and literally just said, Floss me, daddy. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. He's still haunting our show, even even when he's not technically on it. What do, what do I do with this? Like, seriously. <laughs> You just you just send it out there and hope and I just hope it plays well. That is a yikes from me, dog. That is a oh, oh boy. <laughs> In this episode of the show, we will be talking about MotoGP. They had the Spanish Grand Prix at Jerez, a newly resurfaced Jerez. Thankfully, it didn't rain, so we put it to the test. Basically, shout out to you, Silverstone. <laughs> but but uh, yes. Daddy came home as Mark Marquez took his second Grand Prix win of the season in a dominant fashion to take the championship lead. More on the nuances of that in a quite spectacular race weekend, um, including some history being made as well. Um, all of that, Moto2, Moto3 as well. We'll also be talking about the first ever edition of the W Series on the DTM undercard at Hockenheim as uh, Jamie Chadwick put smiles in everybody's faces by winning the very first W Series race. We'll be breaking down that race itself, some of the production values, the little nuances we watched on the Channel 4 broadcast, and a whole bunch more. It was some good stuff, and some bad stuff. We'll break it all down later on in the show. We'll also be getting into the news, Super, D Super GT, DTM, Nick DeFreeze, um, the six hours of Spa, I mean, guess who won? Uh, no, really, guess. Um, <laughs> seriously. But hey, we had Stoffel on the podium, King. Stoffel podium. His first one in like three whole weeks. I <laughs> uh, can't wait for him to get back to his real job in Monaco. 
Atta boy. Atta boy. And we need to talk about the Millennial NASCAR. More on that later. It's it's quite scary. It would also be breaking now in the week ahead as Formula One returns as they also go to Spain, only this time in Catalonia, um, for the for the Spanish Grand Prix over there, as well as uh, Formula E, as well what I like to call Diet Monaco, um, <laughs> as, as as they take back to the streets again this weekend. So all of that and much much more. Also, some general housekeeping to get out of the way. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Uh, again, new video up there as we speak, talking about dominance and how it probably shouldn't be such a dirty word in the context of motorsports. Actually, you guys actually seem to really like that one, so uh, thanks for that. Uh, much appreciated. Um, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our handles personally... You can at uh, Harrison101HD and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. RJ, who is sadly only here in hairdressers and in spirit, is at RJ O'Connell. Our website is motorsport101.com. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. Um, before they go out. $10 gets you into our to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Um, shout out to Cam, as always, to Vic, to Jason, and to Brian for listening in right now as we speak. Hope you guys enjoy the show. And a big shout out to our new Patreon backer, Andrew Bannister. Hi, hi Andrew. Much appreciated. Happy birthday as well, sir, because I know it was your birthday on, on, on Saturday as well. I hope you had a lovely birthday. Um, fun fact, the guy has me on Snapchat. He He's me messages me during every race weekend that is some true dedication <laughs> and, I, and it's really appreciated because i like it when people give a shit that's always nice to know so shout out to you andrew you're great and f- massive massive thank you for backing us on patreon that's very very kind of you and shout out to jose who upped her pledge to 15 bucks as well so i'll be shipping your t-shirts out very very soon as well so thanks jose as well much much appreciated Whew, without further ado after this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about MotoGP's Spanish Grand Prix. Shout out to Cam in the Discord who immediately mentioned I botched the intro. I should have said Daddy came home rather than Marquez came home. But hey, b- both could easily work here. It's quite funny, that, <laughs> both could easily work. Because that was pretty much the story of the race in, 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 in her F this weekend. But we have to talk a little bit, I'd say, about qualifying first King. As history was made. Uh, a Marquez... A Marquez record has fallen, <laughs> of all things. Fabio Quattararo making history and becoming MotoGP's youngest ever pole sitter at just 20 years old. Um, a scintillating qualifying uh, qualifying run as well. Um, he came out of nowhere. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Patronus boys at Yamaha, I think, have been teasing this for quite some time. They were fast right out of the box in Qatar. We saw... 
Quattaraya was was impressive again. He was unlucky there in that race. He had to start from, from pit lane, King. But uh, a, a, a new all time lap record, a thirty six eight from Quattararo in Q two. Stunning stuff, eh? Yeah, kids, kids got it. I mean, he's had it, but he, he showed it. He, he definitely has. He like he really has. Again, like again, this 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 is not a fluke. If you've been watching what the Yamaha that that Petronas Yamaha team has been doing, they have been in that top six mix pretty much all season long. This weekend was no exception. Doubled down by the fact that his teammate Frankie Morbidelli was second, yeah. making it a one-two for the Petronas Yamaha team. Um, kind of makes a bit of a mockery of the factory team when Maverick Vinales was down in fifth. And uh, Valentino Rossi didn't even get into Q2, qualifying in 13th place. Um, crazy stuff, eh, King? <laughs> yeah, insane. It's, it's, I don't know, part of me always in, in, like, say in Formula 1, it's kind of never expected for a B team to outperform the A team. MotoGP, it's almost surreal to see. <laughs> Let's not forget, Quattararo is basically on last year's Yamaha. Yeah, he's literally on last year's bike. Like, the guy that's on the 2019 bike is Frankie. He's technically the team leader here. He Because most of these lower class teams in MotoGP, they split it. One guy gets the newer bike, one guy gets the older one from the year prior. Quattararo is on, technically speaking, last year's Yamaha. You know, that bike we all trashed for most of last year for Batista saying it was terrible and until Valentino Rossi saved it. And yet, Quattararo just stuck it on pole in her effort with the fastest ever lap of the track. Funny how that turns out, doesn't it? <laughs> very, very impressive indeed. Uh, he was joined on the front row by Mark Marquez. I mean, don't get wrong, it was a very, very close session in general. 0.4 of a second covering the top three rows. Alex Rins was 0.47 off the top, ninth. As you do. Quattaro, <laughs> uh, Morbidelli, Marquez, Dovi, Vinales, Crutchlow, Row 2, Petrucci, Nakagami. N- another guy that's flying at the moment. Taka Nakagami yep. do- doing really good things on what's technically last year's Honda package. Yeah, Taka Nakagami, again, it's n- it's no longer being a fluke seeing him make, uh, make Q2 and getting in the top 10. He's doing very, very good work for uh, for that for that uh, for the uh, on the second uh Inamitsu LCR Honda bike Alex Rins ninth Banyaya 10th Lorenzo just making it through in 11th and Joanne Mir in 12th again 0.6 covered the entire top 12 crazy stuff again the new re- the new resurfaced Qatar uh producing very very fast laps um we're, we kind we're, of we're at her ref Matt Qatar this weekend <laughs> yeah my bad <laughs> 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 That's one for the blooper real folks. Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, a newly resurfaced Qatar truck. Qatar did it again! Shit! <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome oh back, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> like, fun fact, like, Lewis Sutterby, the man, the myth, the legend, is editing this week's show uh, as a favour while he's out there in Spain, and he's just had a humdinger to add to the end of your blooper reel. <laughs> Me calling her F Qatar twice. That's uh, that's that's impressive, folks. Um, <laughs> fuck me. I am terrible. I'm terrible. But yeah, the newly resurfaced Haref. See, track got there in the end. Yeah, but uh, yeah, again, very very fast. Lap records being shattered. They were even faster in the test yesterday um, after the weekend finished as well. But. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was all leading up to a lot of hype. Um, you know, all the promo packages came out. Can Quattararo convert that pod position into his first win? And uh, it didn't really matter because by the time we were 400 meters into the race, Mark Marquez had taken the lead into turn one. And I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, but that wasn't the that wasn't the end of Quattararo's depressing race. <laughs> It was sad. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. Marquez took the lead, took the whole shot into turn one. Was looking very comfortable out there, but the the uh, the Yamaha stayed with him in the early going. They were very fast. Um, he had just gotten to the point where uh, Quattararo had overtaken Morbidelli, who had the better start than him, in into second place. And then when they cut to the straight, we just see Quattararo's bike tail off into the distance. Uh, his engine had died and cut out, and that was uh, the end of Quattararo's race. For, uh, yeah, according to Cam, the quick shifter broke, yep. and uh, he was stuck in third gear, and that was the end of it for for, for poor Fabio. And uh, devastating. I mean, it's the second time he's had a mechanical problem plague what could have been an excellent weekend. Yeah, but like he was surprisingly he looked at the positive of it where he said quote i was really disappointed because we can challenge for a really good position unfortunately when you look at the pace i had the weekend uh, i i can only be happy at the moment no podiums no top fives but the experience we take is a lot yeah i mean he talked i think he mentioned that when he was on bt sports coverage after the race had finished he mentioned it himself that you know yeah it's disappointing, but he was happy. He was uh, very, very happy um, with the performance of the bike and obviously the weekend itself. And he, I, I'm guessing you know he's a very mature. He's got a very mature head on his shoulders for twenty. Let's put it that way because he he saw the positives in the weekend. He saw that hey, he was competitive, challenging for victories, you know, for challenging for podiums. I mean, it's an excellent weekend for Fabio. And uh, oh, just just on a side note, if you haven't seen Matt Oxley's piece. On, uh, on Fabio's management to get to this point. The guy, I mean, let's not forget, only three or four years ago, he was being hailed as the French Marc Marquez. Um, and kind of where it went wrong for him a little bit due to mismanagement and some of the uh, the snakes and demons in the GP paddock um, as, a, as the years had gone by until last year when he had that breakthrough year in Moto2. If you want to check it out, I highly recommend it. It's, it's well worth a read. It's some excellent journalism from Matt Oxley. Nothing you, you're one of the best in the business at it. It's a, it's, it's a very, very good piece and, and well, well worth a read indeed. I mean, breaking down some of the other little elements of the race, I mean, besides Fabio, Fabio, quick shift to break it i mean as again cam mentioned in the discord as well the yamaha is actually going to reduce the usage limits on that quick shifter after the release because it's the second time we've had such a such a big technical problem which is a bummer to say the least but uh yeah oh dear surging through though king for second place and it's not really becoming a fluke anymore alex rins <laughs> <laughs> yep oh my god uh though i'm pretty sure Everyone has seen the most notable part of Alex Rins' weekend in her ref. Are you referring to what happened after the race? Yeah, I'm referring to what happened after the race. Yeah, like, this is hilarious. One of these stewards, um, oh, sorry, marshals, I should say, at her ref, um, after the race had finished, had uh, actually tried to, uh, had actually tried to uh, steal parts of the bike as it was parked up as Rins was celebrating. 
Um, <laughs> this is amazing. It's like, like I remember a couple of races ago, we had guys trying to, you know, get take a selfie on Rossi's bike after the race was finished. We're taking it one step further. We're now trying to steal parts of the bike, <laughs> which, which I think is hilarious. If you haven't seen Simon Patterson tweet about it from Sunday. Please do. It's again, it's hilarious. They, he, he, like, people forget. These MotoGP bikes tend to have onboard dashboard cameras now, or a camera on the rear. This is not uncommon now. This is now the trend. Uh, it's it, it like they've all got cameras on them. These guys aren't stupid. So he was found out, um, and I love that the punishment king was he had to go to Suzuki and apologize. <laughs> That's all it was. It didn't press charges or anything like that. It just said, "Listen, just go to Suzuki and tell them you're sorry." <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it was like, but <laughs> Rins is like, uh, it's like, uh, he, Rins is like, he, pretty much paraphrasing that it was already up on the internet, uh, asking like uh, for asking a thousand euros for for the for the part, which was like, uh, I think it was the sweatband that's around the the master cylinder for the hydraulic fluid. Hmm. Very, a very obscure part to Nick, I have to say. But hey, whatever, whatever you can get in 10 it's, seconds. It's the right? easiest part you can take off the bike. Sure. That Marshall knew what he was doing. <laughs> Man weren't slick. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he said he had to go to Suzuki and apologize. No hard feelings, apparently. He's now sharing his bed at night with a horse's head. Um, which I thought was quite funny. But Rins, second. Search through the field at the end of the race. Not only second in the race, now second in the championship. I believe the stats now that since, like, the last six races of last year, including this one as well, I think he's only scored something like 13 points less than Marquez um, in the last eight or nine rounds. Uh, it looks like Rins is here to stay, folks. As, like, the, the new member of the Alien Club. Man is doing the Lord's work on that Suzuki. Um, for sure. King, talk to me about your mans at KTM. Oh, God. I thought we were going to talk. I thought we were going to talk about this. Oh, come on, King. You really thought I was going to ignore this? I would say if I had to boil KTM down to, to what's happening at the moment, I'd probably boil it down to what Johan Sarko said uh, said after the race, where uh, where he basically said that he Johan Sarko at this point he's just trying to stay focused on finishing the race because at the moment it's the only thing he can go for. Not even points. <laughs> yep. It's just get to the flag, like. What is going on at KTM? How have they gone so far backwards so quickly? Like I this is a team. I this don't is a team. Know. That, they, they ended last year with a goddamn podium finish, and what now the... we're now now we're here where Johan Sarko is saying, "quote It's really a pity to have a target to just finish the race, but I'm still fighting more with with the bike than with others." Why did Why did this man leave Yamaha again? Oh. Uh... Thought it would be a step up, you know, be, you know, a factory rider. What? God damn it, KTF. It's kind of crazy because, I mean, there's, actually, there's an actual video about where we talked about this on the Motorsport 101 YouTube channel um, from our Bike Live days talking about the excitement of Johan Zarco being a factory rider. You were in said video, King. It yep, was great. That was me. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> because I was, you know, I was big. I, I was, 
I like Johan Sarko. He's a fantastic writer, obviously. It's no secret. I like KTM. Thought it was going to be, uh, you know, the combination for the team heading, you know, up the field into the future. But God damn it, guys. <laughs> Just wasn't to be, huh? And it's... it's don't get me wrong. Him leaving Yamaha totally made sense. That Tech Free were going nowhere fast as a, as a as a team. They were about to lose that Yamaha and run KTM's anyway. Um, KTM was offering big money. There was a lot of talk that Valentino Rossi had blocked any move for Zarco to even go to Yamaha in the first place. Um, he was considered a threat on that Tech Free, and uh, he's gone where the money was. And I, I, I find it funny that one of that someone I happen to know who is also a prominent editor of MotoGP's website said, uh, "It's funny how KTM was spending all these big bucks to go after a big factory rider when they already had one." Dot dot dot. Impulse Spagaro. Ouch. Just, just saying. It's uh, not pretty. Um, it's, it, you also had to mention Jack Miller had quite a nasty crash. Um, he dropped at the final, at the final hairpin, Jorge Lorenzo corner. Um, he uh, he binned it. He overleaned on trying to uh, overtake. Alicia Spagaro. Spagaro was very angry after the race, saying that I don't know what Jack was doing. Um, I already had the corner. I was not expecting him to go for it, basically. And uh, Miller was in the ditch afterwards. Um, not pretty. And even Jack, after the race, admitted it was mostly his fault, was his own words. Oh, <laughs> oh Jackie. Uh, not so great after a podium last time out at Kota. At, at, uh, um, also... It's not a good sign, King, when uh, Jorge Lorenzo is uh, miserable. And I mean even more miserable than usual. Um, he was, and I quote, sad, worried, and disappointed after finishing it w arguably one of his signature tracks in 12th place. Um, yeah. The, the last of all the Honda finishes, uh, as well as wild... Like, it was behind like, wildcard Stefan Bradl as well which uh, is not a good look. He, he said, and I quote, I cannot be happy about my race, obviously, Lorenzo said. I cannot be enthusiastic. The only thing is to be sad, to be disappointed, and to be worried. Obviously, I am going to keep going. We have an important test with many things to test with, with the wish that some of them will give us some more speed. It is a difficult time for me, but I will keep going positive, and that is the only mentality that I can have. You can see my face. It is not a happy face. <laughs> this has a reason. I don't like to make a race like today because I, I put everything on the track, but I could not go faster. I don't like the position. I don't like the situation. But I think I am a champion, and champions keep fighting until they find a solution, and I will find a solution. Oh, God. Like, this was probably one of my biggest fears when I heard... when when. It was announced that Jorge Lorenzo was moving to Honda. Then, mm. obviously, there's going to be time for adjustment. And of course, I it's that point where you have to realize that you're going to have to adjust your riding style to suit the bike because the bike isn't mm. designed for you. And it really feels like Jorge can't get to, get to grasp us with with the, with the bike. <laughs> Yeah, the riding position changes, the, 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 the front-end grip he struggled with in Qatar. Um, he's struggled trying to get the maximum out of the bike. It doesn't help when everybody else on Honda seems to have had genuine moments of really good speed. 
I mean, Nakagami is just genuinely really improved. Crutchlow is still Crutchlow. He, I mean, he could have won at Kota after the Marquez incident, but he crashed himself trying to beat Valentino. And Lorenzo right now is probably the slowest of all the Hondas. I mean, it's like Lorenzo's throwing these years of his career away. I mean, he's 32. He turned 32 this weekend um, in her F. And... He's not got very many prime years left, and we all know with Ducati, it took Lorenzo the better part of a season to really get up to speed with Ducati, and that was a much closer fit to his Yamaha than the Honda. Yeah, and I'm, oh, I, I think I think it's gonna take like he it's gonna take a year. He's gonna have to essentially spend this year number one adjusting his riding style to the Honda. Two, working with his mechanics and engineers to either develop or find a setup that suits him better than what he has now. Yeah, definitely. Oh my god, just seeing my timeline going crazy because Barcelona's just just given up two goals in two minutes. <laughs> nice one, Alden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But uh, <laughs> more on that later. But no, it, it would be a shame if Lorenzo's prime years went to waste because like he spent like basically two of the last three years learning how to ride again, having spent the better part of a decade on a Yamaha, a Yamaha that he was so so good on, and uh, it's actually kind of sad seeing Lorenzo that far down the field. It was such hype about this dream team combination of you know. Marquez, Lorenzo. Marquez apparently had always made it a goal. He wanted to beat Lorenzo on the same bike to end that debate once and for all. And and uh, now we've got this coming on. It's uh, it's uh, it's not pretty for old Jorge, which is a, it's a real shame. I hope he improves soon, but uh, it's looking like the investment um, is uh, is is not working out. Um, yeah, as Camus has been destroyed on the same bike, which isn't ideal when Marquez has won two out of the first four and could have easily had a, a third in America if it wasn't for the front tucking itself in. Nah, um, I'm just going to be like, this year doesn't count. I'd say wait till next year. Wait till next year. <laughs> probably a fair assumption. Who knows? Um, but uh, hey, here's the full running order for that for that uh, MotoGP racing Qatar. Marquez winning by 1.6 seconds from Alex Rins in second. Maverick Vinales, who didn't botch the start for once. Hooray! <laughs> Very nice. Good ride from him. Third place. Three different manufacturers on the podium. Always nice to see. Maverick third ahead of Andrea De Vizioso in fourth. Given he hates Haref, that's not a bad result for him at all um, on that one. Ahead of his teammate, Adela Petrucci in fifth place. Valentino Rossi in sixth. No real fanfare on this one for him. Frankie Morbidelli, who sadly fell to seventh and ran out of tyres in the latter stages. Um... Cal uh, Crutchlow in eighth, um, basically yeah, in, in kind of a mediocre run for Crutchlow, a guy that's been on pole position here before, not not quite so strong this time round. Uh, Takanakagami, another strong result for him in ninth, and hey, Stefan Brad with a wild card uh, in the uh, in the proper Honda HRC racing colours in tenth. Good result from Stefan there. Alicia Spagaro in eleventh place for a prettier ahead of as mentioned, Sad Lorenzo in twelfth. Paul Spagaro, 13th, ahead of his teammate, Johan Zarco, six seconds down the road in 14th. And Tito Rabat with the last of the points in 15th place, ahead of Carol Abraham, Bradley Smith, um, Miguel Oliveira, and Hafiz Sirin, who's apparently whose job is apparently already in a hot seat for lack of effort. Keep an eye on that one as the coming weeks go by. Um, four non-finishers, Jack Miller, Joan Mir, Fabio Cotarraro, and Peko Baniaia. 
Um, quick look at the championship real quick. Yes, Daddy has come home. Mark Marquez back on top of the of the, of the Riders' championship, but only by a single point as Alex Rins. He's not going anywhere, folks. In second place, just one point behind on 69. Nice. Um, Andrea Davizioso third on 67, and then Valentina Rossi fourth on 61. Bit of a gap in the best of the rest. Uh, Chase Dilla Petrucci on 41 points in fifth. Maverick with sixth on 30 points. Miller on 29, as is Takanakagami. Ahead of his teammates, still by two points. Good stuff, Tacker. Crutchlow in ninth on 27th, and Frankie Morbidelli rounding off the top 10 with 25. Uh, not the most thrilling, you know, MotoGP race in the world, unfortunately. But, uh, oh boy. Uh, certainly want to see, uh, to, uh, to see, uh, shall we say, uh, Marquez, uh, dominate. <laughs> As... It was, it was good background while I made the set list to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> phrasing, phrasing indeed, Cam says in the Discord. Moto2, again, not the most spectacular race in the world. It was actually reduced to 15 laps in the end after a... Whew, a scary red flag crash in the original race start. Um, Remy Gardner and Alex Marquez had a huge tangle um, between uh, turns one and two. Um, like, ve like Remy Gardner was very, very lucky not to get run over. Yeah, that's it like any bike race at Hareth always has me sweating because turn one... Jesus Christ, it is so fast and the bikes are so close together that anything can happen, including yeah. what we saw in Photo 2. You can't really run that many bikes on the same corner like that. It's extremely dangerous. Um, and yeah, if somebody goes off there, it can go very, very badly wrong. Like I said, Remy Gardner was very, very lucky not to get run over by somebody else. The reactions on some of these drivers... Uh, MotoGP's on BT Sports MotoGP account put up an onboard video of the footage of, uh, and I think it was, I think it was, I can't remember who's onboard it was. It was someone further back in the incident in the field. I think it might have been Marcel Schrotter, and but they had onboard of the incident, and you could see Sam Lowe's literally pull a stoppy, getting out of the way. It was incredible reactions um, to get out of the way as Gardner fell, and you know bikes and 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 bodies all over the track, and again, somehow, no one was badly hurt. Um, a, a walking miracle. Don't ever let anyone tell you that these guys aren't skilled. They are incredibly <laughs> talented people. Um, thankfully, everybody okay um, on that one. But so, yeah, the race was red flagged for obvious reasons. A nasty crash. Race was, was reduced to 15 laps. It was basically a sprint race um, after that. Um, but once the race settled down, it was a, a battle between three. It was Lorenzo Baldessari, Jorge Navarro, and uh, Augusto Fernandez. But it was Lorenzo Baldessari that would come out on top for his third win of the year already. Um, an excellent season Lorenzo's having um, so far. He just got to the front and pretty much stayed there. Um, past um, Fernandez early on. Fernandez tried to go with him for a good while, just lost out a little bit in the end. Navarro was coming through on the speed up uh, with about, you know, five laps to go or so. But uh, not quite in the end um, in this case. I'm maybe a couple of laps short of a real attempt at Navarro's first ever Moto2 victory. Still a career-high finish for him um, in second, though. Uh, but uh, Pons will, will happily take a, a one and three though, because it was Baldassari, Navarro, Fernandez, one, two, three. Thomas Luti riding his own race there in fourth place ahead of Brad Binder in fifth. King, get your mans. Um, <laughs> which 
Although, to be fair, given how KTM's really struggled in Moto2 so far, fifth really ain't that bad a result. Not in the bad at all. <laughs> Come on, Brad, get it up there. Uh, Xavi Vierge in sixth. Ahead of Tetsuya Nagashima in seventh. Luca Marini, eighth. Nicolo Bulliger, ninth. Hey, Sky VR 46, eighth for ninth. Not bad at all. Uh, especially for Bulliger, the rookie. Um, Ikeda Kwona in tenth. Enea Bastianini, eleventh. Uh, Fabio Di Antonio, twelfth. Ahead of Dominique Agata. Andrea Locatelli. And a bit of a struggling weekend for Marcel Schrotter. Only 15th for him, just barely getting in the points. Um, again, a lot of DNFs, uh, including Matteo Pacini, who was fitted in for Jake Dixon this weekend due to the concussion he suffered at the Circuit of the Americas. I'm very glad he didn't race this weekend. Good to see every precaution being held against concussions. Tottenham Football Club, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> if anyone's seen that football match, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Sam Lowe didn't make it as well. Of course, he had a crash. And Jorge Martin, who poor fella had four crashes over the course of the weekend. Moto2 is hard, kids. Don't, like, don't listen to what they tell you. Moto2 is freaking difficult. And a dominant Moto3 champ like Martin can struggle. Hard times. Hard times. But, uh, yeah, Moto2 Championship real quick. Baldessari back on top of the pile um, with 75 points. He's got a 17-point lead now over Thomas Luti. Marcel Schrotter another 10 back now in third and 48. Talking Navarin up to fourth in the championship on 44. Ahead of Remy Gardner's 38. Alex Marquez is 36. Marini's 35. Fernandez is up to 27th now after two DNFs. Um, Anea Bastinini, 9th on 26 points. He's doing quite well for himself as a rookie, isn't he? And Brad Binder rounding off the top 10 in 10th on 25. Somebody get KTM up the field already. It's a, it's miserable. Like We, we need Happy King. Oof. It's like, I'm, I'm fine with the struggle. It's not been an easy sports life recently. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> it's been hard out there, folks. It's been hard. Moto three, real quick, and as I put in the set list, not a dry heart, not a dry eye in the house here, folks. Uh, a a beautiful moment for the uh, uh, Squadra Corsa SIC fifty eight team. Yes, that fifty eight team as a one two finish for uh, Paolo Simoncelli's Squadria Corsa team. Um, great, great to see um, that uh, everybody was. I think mean, everybody was delighted to see the 58 back on the top step. Um, Niccolo Antonelli winning the Moto3 race ahead of his teammate, Tatsuki Suzuki. Um, there, I, I still I love that MotoGP, I wonder if Lewis is, is responsible for this one. Um, retweeting a tweet from a couple of years ago when Suzuki, when he first joined the team in 2017, tweeting that one day he promised to take, the, to take a, a podium finish in tribute to you, Marco. And he did. And I love that MotoGP's account tweeted... And I quote, I'm sure Marco would have been so proud of you all. Not a dry eye in the house. Uh, a, 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 a great, great race. Again, definitely worth seeing a leading group of 10 for the majority of the race, which is almost like low for Moto3 standards these days. Um, but uh, Antonelli ahead of Suzuki. Celestino Vietti, very impressive in third on the KTM, ahead of Aaron Canet, the new championship leader in fourth. Albert Arenas in fifth. Good result for him on his return from injury. Kaito Toba in sixth. Jumpman Corfile himself in seventh. Ahead of Lenta Dana Porter, Ayagura in ninth, and Andrea Mino in tenth, Darren Binder eleventh, John McPhee twelfth, Kazuki Masaki in thirteenth, Alonso Lopez in fourteenth, and Ayumu Sasaki rounding off the points in fifteenth place. Also in the highlights, look out for a pretty nasty crash for Marcos Ramirez, who've already put a wheel off the grass and uh, 
Oh boy, not not pretty. It's uh, not pretty indeed. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, championship standings as we get through four rounds in MotoGP. I don't know if I should say. Aaron Cadet now championship leader by a point. Nicolo Antonelli second on 57. I'm John Masia, who didn't finish this race in third on 45. Ahead of Kaito Toba in fourth on 41. And Lorenzo Dallaporta in fifth on 40. Overall, King, not the most exciting MotoGP race in the world. But hey, we got Le Mans next week. <laughs> Ooh, it's... This upcoming weekend of racing is going to be real spicy, but I'm pretty sure we'll get to that at the end of the show. Yeah, we, we, we will indeed. Uh, a lot, lot of lot of fun stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely a fun time in MotoGP. Check out the races if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, after this quick musical interlude, we'll be back to talk about... Checking my notes here. The W Series? Okay, we'll check out the W Series. Field trip... Well, King, as they mentioned about 15 times during the broadcast, history was made here, folks. The historic first W Series race. I'm looking, I'm uh, looking at my notes here. It's I thought I thought this was the Formula Three European Championship. This is weird. Str strange flex from DTM. Kind of like it though. I'm okay with this. I, I, I say let's go with it and see what and see how we fare. <laughs> <laughs> See how see how we go from here, shall we say? But uh, no, like this this is how it this is how it was. I mean, W Series. I mean, we did we, we kind of missed it on last week's show when we recorded it at the time, but we found out that uh, us Brits are getting every race live on Channel Four, which is great, awesome, great to see some free to wear coverage for the series, great to see some exposure out there um, for everyone in the series involved. It's genuinely great to see. Um, that's awesome. So if you haven't seen it, you can watch it for free on 4 On Demand, or I think it's now called All 4 in the UK, because every bloody network channel has an on-demand service these days. <laughs> so check it out if you haven't already. Well worth a look. Yeah. Um, uh, meanwhile, in the United States, they don't have a broadcast deal, meaning that you can watch uh, online via Twitter or Facebook, hmm. which uh, we'll, we'll get to... Uh, what happened specifically with the broadcast later on in the show, well, later on in the segment. But I think we should also preface this, like, despite me and Dre are probably going to have a lot, a lot of criticisms. Mm. But in general, uh, I don't know about Dre, but generally I have a good feeling about the series going forward. But again, going to have a lot of criticisms. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my general thoughts on it was the on-track racing itself was very good. You know, they, they, you can't go wrong with Formula 3 cars and how they're being used in this context. Um, I like the, the drivers as personalities and who we've got in the series. I like that a lot. The production values? Eh... I'll get to the production later. I think it's only fair we talk about the good things first and the race itself. And uh, there was uh, 
one overriding theme for the weekend, King, and that was uh, Jamie Chadwick laid the hammer. <laughs> yes, yes. Before we even get to the race start, Jamie, mm. Jamie Chadwick, f- fastest in both Friday practice sessions, and she ended up winning pole by almost two seconds. The final margin between first and second was 1.7 seconds. Dominant. Dominant. Uh, again, it was a it was a very very wet qualifying session. Um, you know, quite slippery out there. There was a couple of noticeable moments. Alice Powell brought out a red flag when she put it in the wall um, in the stadium section. Nah, any, any ring any bells, Sebastian Vettel fan base? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, David so, Coulthard mentioned it like fifteen times. You know, only, only like fifteen times. Yeah, that that red flag ended up ending the qualifying session early. Powell would put down a lap time before then, so she ended up qualifying sixth for the race. Alongside Jamie Chadwick would be uh, Fabian Volvend of Liechtenstein, who uh, RJ wants me to refer to as the whirlwind, or with a German accent, the Volvend. Of course. <laughs> that, that, that's very RJ. Uh, and in third place, uh, actually, she didn't end up starting third, but she was third in both of the practice sessions beforehand was uh, Emma Kimmelainen, who also looked like one of the strong drivers from the weekend who a lot of people didn't, you know, heading into heading into the mm. first round, people didn't have on the radars, but Kimmelainen was quick out there. Definitely. Sadly, it all came on top... Uh, it all came off top for a very, very quickly. We'll get to that in yeah, a minute. Which we get to the race start. Ooh. The race start was chaotic to say the least. It was probably mm. one of the best start one of the best first laps at Hockenheim I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Where it <laughs> Yeah, go on, King, go on, King. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So race start, you know, the track was still wet from qualifying, but it was rain had stopped, track was drying. Lights go out, Chadwick gets a good start. But there's a stalled car in the grid in fourth position. That is Emma Kimmelainen, her car stalls. No. Her car stalls off. Uh, everyone, thankfully, no one. Everyone avoids her car, you know, perfectly. Then the field starts heading down to the turn six hairpin. Uh, by the time the camera cuts to the hairpin, Chadwick is already like in the runoff area. She had locked up and missed and missed the Massive corner. Massive up. <laughs> she gets overtaken by uh, I think Sarah Moore, but then further back in the field. Kim Aladdin's going around the corner. Then out of nowhere, you just see, like, someone, all four wheels, locked up, fucking T-bones her car. It was an almighty yeet, uh, yes. for lack of a better term. And the, um, car, the car that strikes Kim Aladdin is uh, 18-year-old Canadian um, Megan Gilkes. Uh, well, Megan Gilkes. Uh, it's, man, that was hellacious. I've... That was one of the worst car-on-car collisions I've seen over the like in the past year. Oh, it was massive! It was like a good 70, 80 miles an hour right into uh, Emma Kimmelin and Cypod. It was awful in to watch. It, it was a nasty one in real time, and Emma immediately asked, "Is Megan okay?" After uh, I love that, oh, bless her. She was actually apologizing like she had any fault in what had happened. Oh, yeah, so- like she she was apologizing like I'm so sorry. It's like. Yeah, you were you were the person that was hit. You were the person that was hit. But after the race, uh, Gilks 
you know, apologize, quote, it was completely my mistake. I was on the I was on the side of Kimmelinen on the damp side of the track on coal tires, and unfortunately I braked myself and couldn't stop in time. Oof. And yeah, uh, quote, it's a shame because not only did I end my race, but I also but also someone else's. Indeed. Uh, awful, awful crash. They were very sporting about it afterwards. And also, yes. weird we, also kind of weird we got some slow motion shots of Emma Kimmelan looking into the distance after the crash. <laughs> yeah, there was some very artsy cinematography. <laughs> artsy, you, you say. <laughs> that, that, that's, what, that's what we're calling it, yeah? Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the main story of the race was that, you know, Chadwick had gotten around... Uh, had gone around Sarah Moore after the after the safety car came in on the restart, and Chadwick was pretty much always in control um, in the race lead afterwards. Um, you know, Cap was always around the second between her and Addis Powell in second place. And towards the end of the race, we had Powell under a lot of pressure from uh, Marta Garcia um, in third place, but Garcia was never quite close enough to put a move on her. Um, and that was your top three. It was, it was a Chadwick by about two seconds ahead of ahead of Addis Powell and Marta Garcia on the podium. In what was, I mean, King, a pretty fun race, I would say. That was a pretty fun race. Uh, Marta Garcia started the race from pretty far back. She had, a, you know, a couple of really entertaining overtakes. Her on-track battles with Powell very fun to watch. Mm. Uh, it was, I would say. First, you know, before the safety car came out, race was chaotic. Afterwards, it was, I wouldn't say a mediocre race. It was it was pretty good for a debut race. <laughs> yeah, for a first time ever showing on track itself, first for the first time, it was it was impressive work. It was it was good stuff all round in that sense. I mean, quick rundown of the rest of the field. Uh, Beska Visa in fourth. She was in that second group. Um, she was in a race-long fight with Sarah Moore. She narrowly came out on top there. Fabian Volven, who was a bit disappointed after that front row start, would finish in sixth. Shout out to Mickey Koyama, who started on the back row of the grid in 17th after a, after a poor qualifying session. She ended up finishing seventh and had the fastest lap of the race as well over the course of the session. She's going to be one to watch going forward, I would argue. Yep. Tasman Pepper in eighth. Um, Gazia raced in ninth, and Caitlin Wood rounding off the points in tenth, ahead of Jessica Hawkins in eleventh. Who you may remember as one of the stunt drivers from from the Fast and Furious series. <laughs> they only mentioned that about five times in the broadcast. Hey, Ben, <laughs> if you remember me. Yes, great shout out, great oh, shout out, Jessica. I like her already. Uh, Esby Hawking in twelfth, Saber Cook, or as, or as RJ wants to refer to, wants me to refer to Saber Tooth Save, Saber Cook in thirteenth. Naomi Sheaf in 14th. We got, we got one for the brothers here, King. <laughs> yep. We, we stand. Uh, Vicky Perrier in 15th, who collected the Sector 2 safety board sign after a spin at the hairpin. That was quite funny. <laughs> and and Shea Holbrook in, in 16th, the last of the finishes behind, obviously, as the aforementioned, Gilks and Kimmelainen, who sadly got yeeted um, at on the lap one hairpin. Now... The race, like we said, the race itself was fun. Well, before There's... we go into that, uh, the next round, one thing I did not know that they were going to do in this series is uh, apparently they're going to have a random draw for both cars and engineers and mechanics for the next race. So no one will be in the same car, have the same race engineers or mechanics the next round. 
That is interesting. It also kind of made it a bit weird, like, seeing the celebrations after the race, because it's like, yay, like, Chubby got out of the car, starts celebrating, you know, like, like kind of high-fives the mechanic, and you realise they're probably not going to be the mechanic again for the next race <laughs> you're going to be competing against her. Bit weird. But I do like the idea, given that it is a spec series, that they're going to shuffle up the mechanics and engineers and whatnot so that no one's got an outright advantage there where that's concerned. That's actually quite an original touch. Um, so, yeah. Oh, oh by the way, 4 0 Liverpool. Um, so. Oh, Lord! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a, a fun idea indeed. <laughs> oh, dear. Barcelona aborted it again. Good Lord. <laughs> I love that we always end up recording this podcast during football matches. How does that always happen? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dear. Liverpool's going to win the Champions League. We're all going straight to hell. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, time to dis- discuss the W Series off the racing track. Now, for those guys who don't know, the world feed in this case was is, is produced by Whisper Films. That is David uh, David Coulthard's uh, production company that he owns. Him and Jake, I think him and Jake Humphrey own that studio house, and they are producing this series. There were some issues. We'll get to the minor ones first. I think King. I think the big minor one that I think will just iron out in time. You know, the sound pre-race. Um, the microphones weren't working properly in the pre-race coverage. A lot of feedback on the other end. Yeah, a lot it of happens. F- yeah, a lot of feedback because it feels like the the audio was also the audio was obviously being sent to the broadcast feed, but it was also playing over the public address speakers at the track. So there was a lot of feedback there. Also. Yeah. Uh, it felt like there were live mics during, like live mics on the feed during the pre-recorded segments. So you would have the pre-recorded segments on the feed, but you would also hear, you know, yes. you know the public address during, you know, the broadcast. Yeah, like you could hear the microphones as they were playing like the pre-recorded segments. You could still hear the live mics in the background. It was, it was actually quite distracting. That and some of the graphics weren't particularly great. Um... Uh, the color schemes, I think, were a bit choppy. I'm not a fan of the yellow on purple in general. It's yeah, a bit, like uh, it's not great I, for the I, eyes. I like the color scheme, but they use it too much. Because if you like, if you go and watch any like the DTM, uh, the DTM coverage, it is a, it is surprisingly a very similar color scheme. But they use it very sparingly. They know that you know it's better to use black and white when you can because it's more legible. Uh, also. The W Series font, they use it everywhere, and it's hard to read. Yeah, it's very techno, like 1990s Crystal Maze, and I'm not a fan of it. (laughs) I would say it's more like a free font you get on Microsoft Publisher. Yeah, that wasn't great. But this is minor stuff. This, This is minor details that they can easily iron out over a couple of weeks or whatever. Like, first-time broadcasts that are live are always going to be tricky. Like, we can forgive that, you know? It happens. There's more fundamental problems with how the coverage was going into this. I would say, starting off, the fundamental good part, uh, broadcast team. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, Kravitz McKenzie, very good from the pit lane. Uh, On commentary of David Coulthard and Claire Cottenham, both very great in the commentary booth. Very good. Claire was very good. Like, we don't have a lot of female commentators in motorsport, and she was genuinely enthusiastic. 
um, enthusiastic, intelligent, was always you know quick to praise everybody, you know, get you know get behind people. Very professional. David Coulthard was was very solid alongside. I mean, he should be. His name's all over the production house here. Because yeah, um, I've only ever heard great things about Claire because she does radio commentary for Formula E. So I've only ever heard mm. her in snips and pieces. I've never, you know, listened to yeah. a full race commentary. But first time in full, very good. Precisely. Um, so, yeah. Um absolutely um again I, I love the broadcast team you like lee mckenzie is lead anchor she's one of the best in the biz i've said this for years like perfect name to front the series as far as you ask me kravitz again kravitz doesn't put a foot wrong he's he's a pro you know he he's he's just the right level of awkward like he always is <laughs> to, to be entertaining and that that's that's the genius of kravitz um, that's a hell of a pickup for the series to get Mackenzie and Kravitz in there like that. Again, two of the very best. Somehow they got to the point where Sky was not going to renew this man. How? Don't know. How? Sign too many former drivers. <laughs> Sign too many former drivers. No, we had to make way for Jensen Button. The budget wouldn't allow it for us to re-sign Kravitz. <laughs> We've already got like 14 in here, but uh, you know. It is what it is. But uh, no, again, Mackenzie. <laughs> I love that James in the comment goes, Dre, we are talking about Sky. Yes, we are. Yes, we are, James. You're quite right. Um, but yeah, like I said, the production, again, the, the, the in house broadcasting team, excellent all round. Can't go wrong with Mackenzie or Kravitz. Coulthard and, and Cottingham are great on commentary. I hope that sticks around for the long run. All good where that's concerned. Mm. <laughs> now. Some of the, shall we say, pre-recorded segments and the nature of how this series built up, I was not a fan of. I, I thought some of this was very cliched. Um, I don't know about you, King. I'll start with some of my observations real quick. Like, the meeting the driver segment. Like, all the artsy, glitzy glamour shots. Like, you know, side eyes. Like, them, like they're in the middle of a modelling shoot. I'm just like... That's I'm not a fan of that, you know. You don't need to go over the top with stuff like that. I mean, what happened to the good old days of just folding your arms in front of the camera and sit with, with, a, with a fancy graphic next to your name like Sky do all the time, you know? There was nothing wrong with that, as cringy as it is. It's not as cringy as getting, like, hair flicks and, you know, split-eye shots to camera. I guess an Instagram shot, you know? It's... it's. I yeah. wasn't a particular... It wasn't a particularly big fan of that, which is a shame because some of the driver segments were actually quite funny. I meant, We mentioned Jessica Hawkins talking about... Giving a shout-out to Vin Diesel. That was hilarious. Um, yeah, but, like... Uh, like, generally, the... The raw, the raw, unedited content in the features were good. The interviews were very good. But the way everything around it was edited and blocked and set, it felt like a reality TV show. And it felt very uncomfortable. Yeah, like, the whole, you know, the audition process was a three-minute montage. Now that, I don't like, and I, I, I thought it was... I th what's the right way for me to sum this up? I thought that's a very important part of the process. I, I think my gut feeling, and this is just an assumption. Go on. Go on. They had more. But, again, the way it was edited, it was very reality TV show-like, and it felt uncomfortable. So they decided to edit it down into a package where it, where it felt that this was the most acceptable thing we could put out. <laughs> 
that's not a good sign. Like, it's it's like, oh, this whole thing was completely inappropriate. Let's cut it down to a three-minute montage. Like, that's alarming, you know? And and that like, three-minute montage was the whole thing. Like, I watched the entire yeah. broadcast on replay from start to finish, and it was only that three-minute montage from Selection. They didn't bring it up again. Yeah, which is a shame because there were some, like, really prominent names that a lot of, I think, casual motorsport fans, even they would probably know that were part of the process that didn't that didn't get in, like Natalie Decker and Isla Agron and you know, there was a lot of good names in there that, that didn't get a single second of airtime, which is a shame. Um, but on top of that, a lot of clips of the women crying, and I'm like it's like it's very it was very reality TV. It was very it was, big brother. It was very reality TV. It felt very uh not only exploitative on the on the side of the drivers, mm. but it felt manipulative to the audience itself. It felt like they were exploiting the drivers and, yeah, manipulating us, the viewer. Like, uh, a lot of the shots where the drivers, you know, have an emotional moment and they cry, it felt like they were holding the shot for so long so they could make sure that within, you know, they could get... It, there wouldn't be an awkward cut that they would have in a single shot, you know, driver talking, having that emotional moment, and then finally tears in one shot. And it felt so awkward to just be there, especially when this whole thing has been edited down to like three or five minutes. Yeah, and they still had these long cuts in the middle, sticking up like half the montage. It was, it's almost like you can't hear it, but like the cameraman was shouting, please cry, please cry. Cry, God damn it! Yep, there it is. There's the money shot right there, and it's like, I, oh, it was, it was painful. There, there, there was another really painful moment in that montage where Shea Holbrook, who's been racing in the U.S. for years, um, already, and she obviously made the grid in the end, um, and made the final eighteen, and. The, there's a line in there during the montage where she says, this is the second most important day of my life behind marrying my husband. And I'm like, oh no. And like, ugh, cringe. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I completely understand, like, why making the W series would mean this much to you. Of uh, course. It, it's probably fine for her to say that, but I yeah. don't think it was fit for broadcast. No, I, I don't want that in, in a line to plug the series. It's like, it just comes across as being disingenuous. It's like, just, I like I I completely believe she was genuine in saying that. No, it's not that. But I'm not saying like, that she was genuine. Just was, like, they, they, yeah, from a production standpoint, it looks ungenuine because they they've left it in the cut. Yeah, and it it it, it makes like kind of pulling back the curtain. It makes the series a bit full of. It makes the series seem a bit full of itself. Yeah, it's like, look at us. And it's like, dudes, it's your first race. It's like, it's not a good look. You, you, you look fake when you go through things like that. It looks like every reality TV show that's ever been edited. It was, it was like watching an ep- a three-minute montage of Big Brother. And, I don't mean that in no good way. <laughs> and, like, this kind of circles back to one of the small problems with commentary. With DC mentioning consistently that... Like, uh, Claire also says it, you know, once or twice that this is a very historic moment. And, like... This is a lot. And, naturally, no commentator would ever say that. Like, that is something that you only... Like, when I hear someone say that a moment is historic in the moment, 
actually happening, that's something I expect to, like, hear from Michael Cole at WrestleMania, not in an actual sporting event. Yeah, but that's the thing with wrestling. You suspend your disbelief. You know what it is. Yes. So it's okay if they're deliberately OTT. This is a sport. Yeah. And 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 I didn't like it when Lee McKenzie, who clearly had a script in front of her on the auto cue, said, there is no reality TV like live sport. And I'm like, this is not what your series should be. As far as I'm concerned, that is not what their series should be plugging. It should not be. It just comes across as like bitchy, like the Hills or the Kardashians. It's like, oh, we got a series of all women? Let's make it a reality TV show so the girls will come in and watch. It just it just doesn't... Mm, it, it, it didn't sit right with me that that was the angle they were going for. It's like, oh, look, it's an all-women series. Let's have drama. And, and I'm mean, like... Mm. They, they, ha- like, they have, you know fantastic raw con like content to make a great product like the fact the fact the drivers within the series don't have teams they don't have sponsors they could pretty much say whatever and they usually do like in the actually let me see if i can pull up uh the the post-race interviews about the uh about uh jamie chadwick and Alice Powell describing one of the issues they face during the race because uh, anytime you lock the tires, which Chadwick did, uh, it would cause damage to the gearbox and she had trouble downshifting and she was very mm. blunt about the problems where... Uh, oh, let me see if I can find it. Yes, she said, quote, I got a good start and I was away and gone in the lead. Then I went down to turn six, I went to break what went to break what I thought was early, but yeah, nearly nearly went and ended up in Berlin or something. <laughs> like oh, that damn. like I mean, those are just moments that are just naturally entertaining them on themselves. You don't have to like manufacture right. like a conflict or anything. You have everything there. Normally what you get in Formula One is, you know, Drivers usually minimize the issues that they're facing to, right. you know, for for team morale purposes. W Series, yeah, they don't have to. Right, and that is actually a very underrated part of this broadcast that I was going to mention. There's no, the drivers are not obligated to anybody or anything. They can be completely one hundred percent honest about these situations. Something that I think we we would often wish that we had in Formula One, for example, where as you mentioned. A lot of this is drivers trying to protect their employers and a lot of factory PR speak, you know, and something that the W Series doesn't have to have. If the car fails, you blame the car. It's as simple as that. You know, they're not they're not racing for Dallara in this case. It's it's just you get the raw, you, you get the raw opinions and the perspectives of the people that are in the series, which is completely against what reality TV often tries to promote. And yes. That's... Where- that's it, a, that's so annoying. It feels like they're going into the reality TV route of, uh, you get as much raw you know raw footage as possible, and you you push and you hold what content you need to to create the storyline that you want to have. Yeah, it. I don't like it, and I hope it. I hope that was only a one-off. They race again at Zolder. In uh, in two weeks' time, well, about a week and a half by the time you guys listen to this, um, but 
Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of the on-track product. I will keep watching this series. I think there's a, there's certainly enough on-track to keep me invested, for sure. And I think the, I think the minor production kinks they'll iron out in time. I have no doubt about that. But they need to drop the reality TV bullshit. You don't need that. It just yeah. feels it feels like the series is being run by TV executives, and I don't want that in motorsport. Like yeah. motorsport often can sell itself. I'm already here as a viewer. You don't need to sell yourself any harder. And I just find it it's a bit cringe that an all-women racing series is being hyped up as drama, drama, yeah. when say, it can do better than that. I'd say the one segment I really enjoyed, that, like, kind of my mental image of what I wanted to be an all-female series to be, was... I think after one of the practice sessions, like it was pre, it was pre-recorded and used during the race broadcast. After the mm. practice session, all the drivers leave their cars. They go to the engineering. They go to one engineering tent where it's. It felt very academy-like, and I liked it. Where all where all the drivers sat at these very long bench tables beside their engineers with laptops, discussing what happened in practice, what they need to improve mm. on, where you where you get to see them learning. You know, right. what they can improve on, what they can be better at. And I think that's mm. the positive outlook that they need to have on the broadcast as a whole. Yeah, I, I love that segment. I think that was a great segment. That was motorsport in its purest form. And that is something that they should be plugging more rather than, oh, look, you know, <laughs> oh, look, this, this woman cried. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can do better than this, you know. But yeah, I'd say definitely watch the series. Yeah, I think it's a fun watch. Like I said, you, you can see it um, in the UK, Channel 4, all four, on demand. Give it a go. And yes, one last thing I need to mention. Uh, it was during the race broadcast. Mistakenly, the Twitter feed for the US was geo-blocked when it shouldn't have. And the only way you could have watched during the race was on Facebook. I don't know who runs W Series social media. There was not good communication on that to the fans. A lot of a lot of American fans missed the race, including RJ mentioned to me before the broadcast that he ended up missing it because he didn't know how to, you know, watch the race since it was geo blocked on Twitter. Ugh. Boo Boo Oh no, the Americans missed out on something. <laughs> My heart, British guy's heart bleeds. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Shall we get into the news real quick, King? Yes. Uh, breaking news. Liverpool wins. Yeah. Just, uh... <laughs> How did Barcelona blow this again? Seriously. What the fuck just happened? No, honestly... <laughs> From, from, from a football standpoint, Liverpool are far too good a football team to have a shot at nothing this season. I made the joke about this last night after Man City beat Leicester 1-0 and uh, that almighty Vincent Company strike that might have won Man City the league. I said it, like, Liverpool's got the PFA Player of the Year in Virgil van Dijk. They're probably going to have back-to-back Golden Boot winner Mo Salah on the team, right? They had... Four players in the team. I think they had four or five players in the team of the year. They were far too good. I mean, like I said, they could end the year with 97 points in the league and, and go home with no trophies whatsoever. 
they're too good to have a shot at nothing. I'm glad they got through. And, this and is, I'm glad. This is, just before we get too far off track, I'm just surprised mm. that this is Liverpool without, what, Firmino and Mo Salah. Yeah, both injured. <laughs> both injured. That's, again, I'm, they, they deserved that, quite frankly. But, uh, well fucking done, Liverpool. Good shit. Okay. Um, right. So, yeah, the news. Uh, first, I think we should just start off with this because. Uh, another podcast I listened to would probably cause this, call this not a news. Uh, Nick DeVries dropped from the McLaren Young Drivers Program. Uh, the story itself, a rep from McLaren was like kind of blasé about it. It's like, yeah, we dropped him at the end of last season. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the first we heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like telling the rest of the class, McLaren? No? <laughs> I mean, it... It... it it was all but officially confirmed, where it's like, you just had to look at Nick DeVries to know. He knew. We knew. Like, Everyone you know, knew. It's like, yeah, like, they just very, quite, very quietly shipped him out the back door, which is a bit of a shame, because, you know, Nick is a talented guy. He's a, you know, a, a, a Formula 2 race winner. Um, he's a he's a good driver, but I think he probably hit his development scene in about two years ago, and that's kind of the problem here is that, you know, <coughs> with Lando Norris jumping him in the queue, he's kind of surplus to requirements at this point, and that's just the harsh nature of 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 YDPs, right? I mean, yep. there there's there's two there's two types of guys that that YDPs have. You've either got the guys who are stupidly good. And then, and like, can win the championship within two years, and they're coming up, and they're getting an F1 seat because they're too good not to give a go. The Esteban Ocons, the Pascal Verlines, the, you know, the the Charles Leclerc's of the world, the Lando Norris's, Nico Hulkenberg's, etc. And then there's like the slow burners, the guys who are still serviceable but are probably not going to get the opportunities, or if not, they're going to be in and out in three years. You know, the 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 Dino Kvyat's, the you know, the Marcus Eriksons, the Felipe Nazas. The Artem you know, Markolovs. The Artem Markolovs. And the problem is, you can't really have those two elements coexist in a YDP. Because the guys in Camp 1 will leapfrog Camp 2 nine times out of ten, and then Camp 2 is redundant. And that's, unless you're shipping guys in and out like a Red Bull conveyor belt, it, it just leads to frustration as fans when we want to see these guys get opportunities and it's either all or nothing a lot of the time. It's either guys like Ocon, um, you know, who were in and out in two years, which is ridiculous of even saying that of a guy as good as Esteban Ocon, <laughs> quite frankly, that he may not even see an F1 seat ever again. The way he's been talking on Instagram lately, like, yeah, sorry, Esteban, Valtteri's a bit too good, unfortunately. <laughs> he's a bit too good and a bit too obedient. Um, and, uh, you know, that's crazy. I'll, I'll probably be making a video talking about this in the coming days because, I've, you know, I, I want to talk about this in a bit more detail, but it doesn't really work with what F1 is these days, especially when there is a lack of feeder teams now as well, King. Yeah, there's lack of feeder teams. There's simply not enough seats for the amount of drivers in Formula 1, and the fact that a lot of the new signees to F1 teams are extremely borderline absurdly young, so their career is going to be very long in Formula 1, and so it's pretty much, it is going to be 
rare that you'll see an open seat in F1 that doesn't have an, uh, you know, a, an assigned successor. Like, right. pretty much, we all, we all have a gut feeling that at the end of this year at Tarasso, someone's going to go, but we already know in May that the person that's going to replace that, you know, sack Tarasso driver is probably going to be Dan Tictum. Did Tim still scrambling around for enough points to actually be eligible? But yes, that, like <laughs> we all know where this is going. They like Red Bull loves Dan Tictum for some crazy reason, and it's. I mean, the way I see it, it's probably Kvyat that's going to be sacrificed to the gods for the third time. Um, like, oh god, Danny K, Stockholm syndrome personified here, folks. By the looks of it, and uh, yeah, that's going to be a shame. It's. But we, we get the gist. It's like there's it's it's two different natures of young drivers, and both should have a good chance of, of success. But unfortunately, that's just not how this goes. I think especially when Camp One, the guys that are super quick and super young, are. I think everybody wants the new Verstappen. That's yeah. what that is. Like in this- I'd probably say, uh, I Red Bull don't have the worst. Young Driver Academy. Neither do McLaren. I'd probably say the worst out there, believe it or not, probably Renault, who... Uh, oh, God. Two years ago, they had, uh, you know, they signed Marta Garcia to a one-year deal. Well, no, they just signed her to the Academy, period, and they ran her in Spanish Formula 4, dropped her after the end of the year. Marta couldn't find a ride last season. She sat out all of last season, comes back to the W Series... Gets a podium on debut. Yeah. Kind of says it already, doesn't it? Um, or, you yeah. know, the other Renault Junior driver that's no longer a junior driver and had to go get a seat in Super Formula in Japan are Tamarkalov. Uh, everyone's favorite entertainment slice. Um, Artem Markov, who again had zero chance of ever getting into that Renault F1 team outright, especially when they're willing to drop twenty million a year to sign Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo to plug the hole. You know that guy that's got six points in the championship so far. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's not a good look, and it's like, what's the point of a YDP if no one graduates? It's just <laughs> no graduates. It's just it's just there like to, to make sure other teams don't get young talent. It's like it's talent hoarding. It's like when Man City signed Samir Nasri. It's just like it's just sort of there, you know. And it's not ideal, but it is what it is in that sense, you know. Yeah, Welcome to the young drama programs, kids. It's like kind of that old, uh, you know, Major League Baseball idea and having you know a dozen minor league ball like minor league ball clubs. Yes. There's quality in quantity, but once you, you know, scrape the cream off the top, what's going to happen to the rest of the crop? You're just throwing it away. It's just there. The Jack Aitkins of the world, the Artem Markovs, the guys who you know are never going to make it into F1. Look, 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 look at someone like Nicholas Latifi, who's leading the Formula 2 championship, I think, by 17, 18 points right now. Um, he's Williams' development driver. You think he's getting into F1 anytime soon? No. <laughs> it's like, they've invested too much in Kibitza at this point. They can't go back. You well, know, it's, so... It's, it's more like the other way around. Kibitza's well, invested yeah, yeah. way too much into Williams at this point. Yeah, so, like, Latifi ain't got a prayer of, of getting an F1 seat, but yet here he is, as Williams' development driver, who's 24, and then his fourth full-time season of 
of, of Formula Two slash GP Two. You know, so it's it's just sort of there. It, it just filling in holes that you know, like 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 the Alex Linz of the world as well. Another guy that was at Williams who was probably good enough to at least get a shot, and it never really came. Even when Williams was a bit of a mess at the time, it it's it was uh, scruffy to say the least, and. Uh, yeah, there's too many young, talented drivers out there. There's not enough seats to fill them. And when seats do become available, one half of the program, the slow burners, I've not got a prayer when guys like Lando Norris exist, when guys like Alex Albon exist, who can just come out of nowhere and just blow people away, and they're too good not to put in the seat until they get dropped for, for having no seats that are above their talent threshold, like Charles Leclerc being the exception to the rule, really, more than anything else. That's not normal. Ferrari would never normally gamble on a guy that talented. Um, they would normally be in a Sauber team for three or four years beforehand. Like Jules Bianchi, God, God rest his soul, he was going to be at Sauber the year after at Mana Marussia until, until his awful accident. Bianchi wasn't going to shortcut the team here like, Bianchi, like like Charles Leclerc has. It's brutal, but that's the sport we love, apparently. Yeah. Painful. Uh, oh dear. Best of luck to Nick going forward. Um, he's always got a he's always got a decent role as a voice actor. Uh, if if the whole racing thing don't work out. Yeah, and he's still he's still, <laughs> he's still in Formula Two, so anything can yeah. happen. Anything could happen. Still could easily win the championship this year. He's a talented dude. He's, he's good in that series, no doubt about that. King, want to talk to want to talk about a bit about DTM and Super GT real quick? Yeah, we're we're probably gonna go full match or race of the day here. We're gonna run down <laughs> all the other races that we don't have yep. time for full segments for. Yep, go for it, man. Okay, so in DTM, they had their first race of their new era, where they'd be running four uh, four cylinder. Uh, turbocharged engines, uh, essentially the GT500 Super Formula regulations, with uh, minor differences for now. So, in race one at Hockenheim, Marco Wittmann won from pole in a wet race, which uh, I'd probably say is worth going back and watching, because there was action throughout the field. But, race two blew it out of the water, you should go watch race two first! <laughs> Because uh, I, I hear it was wet and, and crazy. It, no, it was not wet, and oh. uh, it was certainly crazy though. Because oh, okay. I was off, right? the story of the race was uh, Audi Team Rosberg driver Rene Rast starting from 16th and deciding. Uh, well, Team Rosberg decided to, you know, take a gamble. Box, box Rene Rast on lap 8 for fresh tires. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Big problem about DTM. Uh, if, if you don't know, there's a mandatory pit window in DTM. And that pit stop on lap 8 did not fall within the window, meaning Rene Rast would have to take another pit stop. But Rene Rast is flying the whole race. He was the fastest car on track for probably most of the race. Also, uh... Aston Martin's in DTM now, but they're really slow and off the pace. So Rene Rast was flying while the fastest, <laughs> while the fastest Aston out there, driven by Paul DeResta, was about three seconds a lap slower than Rene Rast. Jesus, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> so Rene Rast spends pretty much the whole race fighting through the field because again he had to pit twice when everyone else pitted once. 
And That's ridiculous. They post his onboard on YouTube, so you can watch the whole race from his perspective, and it's a ride. He ends up taking the lead with three laps to go and winning the whole thing. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that, that's some video game shit right there. <laughs> yes, Rene Rass made it look like a video game out there. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna have to dig that out at some point and watch. <laughs> okay. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Quickly going through, Super GT had their uh, Fuji 500km race, the Golden Week race, and uh, I mainly watched the highlights, and most of this is from RJ's review <laughs> on DailySportsCar.com. Cheers, RJ. <laughs> so, uh, just to directly quote RJ's opening sentence from the re- review, powering through a marathon that started in a pouring rainstorm and ended three and a half hours later after 110 laps, it was Yuji Takagawa and Hiroki Ishura who took the victory in the 37th running of the Fuji <laughs> the Fuji GT500 500 kilometer race for the number 38 Zent uh, Lexus LC500 and reading the review and watching the highlights man oh man it was I don't know what happened like it was <laughs> insane so half an hour before the race starts uh, it, it, it starts pouring down like pouring down <laughs> really like it was it was probably like uh, 24 hours of Daytona early this year bad so, wow. uh, 16 laps in the race, uh, they have to literally red flag the race due to inclement weather. Uh, eventually, they're able to restart the race, you know, later on, complete the full race distance, and uh, the Lexus comes out on top. In uh, the GT300 class, we saw the number 11 Nissan GTR GT3 car, uh, driven by, uh, who drove that car, uh, Katsuyuki here here now. <laughs> it's time for me to terribly pronounce names today. Yep, let's let let's, let's just butcher everything here, folks. Okay, Katsuyuki uh, here here RJ's gonna fucking slaughter me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Hiro- we'll put this down to inexperience. <laughs> And Hironobu uh, Yasuda, which is, like, actually someone I knew beforehand. Thank God. So, yeah, they won GT300. Oh, God. And now we head into sports cars. We're both IMSA and the WEC race this weekend. I think we should start with the six hours of Spa because there was snow. There was there was snow at Spa. <laughs> Literally, kids, a race for all seasons. Oh god! Did you catch the six hours, Dre? <laughs> or I did hear not what happened? Um, I know it was. Uh, conditions were, shall we say, changeable. <laughs> <laughs> it was changeable, but guess who won, Dre? <laughs> oh god! It wasn't Alonso again, was it? <laughs> it was Alonso. It was the Toyota of Fernando Alonso, Sebastian, <laughs> Sebastian Puebi, and Kaz Nakajima. Shocker. I mean, no, please, tell me more. <laughs> well, I don't know much more after that, because I didn't write notes for it. I thought you had notes. 
I didn't know. I was just thought, you, you know what? What what more needs to be said? It's the WEC. Alonso's winning, and he's and he's and he's, he's riding off into the sunset afterwards. That about sums it up. You know, it's it's a nothing burger. Like there was some nice, there was some very nice pictures of guys driving in the snow round Spa, which will make many a great phone wallpaper. And that's the end of it. <laughs> like, okay. like, say, say no more. Before we get out of here, King, we got to talk as well about no, the no, millennial. Not, not done yet. Not oh, yeah. done yet. IMSA raced in mid Ohio, and someone. Oh yes, quite right. Someone got his first win. In in <laughs> on Penske Acura, Juan Don't Pablo on. Montoya and Dane Cameron took home a win at Mid Ohio. Monty, it, foo, it. I don't know. It, it felt like Montoya. It felt it felt like Montoya was gonna end Montoya's race by either getting you know completely distracted by traffic and just being ended up stuck behind a GT car. Or he would, you know, send the car off himself, but he was able to hold it together and take home a win. Beautiful. Go on, Monty. We, we, we like this. Here for it. Okay, and that is that is the end of race of the day. King, remind the viewers at home about a certain bet that uh, that was placed in NASCAR last year. Is this... Are we talking about the Millennial car? Yes, we are not talking about Martin Truex Jr. winning at Dover. No. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're talking Dover about... on a Monday. No, no. We're talking about the goddamn Millennial NASCAR. Tell me more. Oh, I... I didn't know we were going to talk about this. It's on the set list, so I got, thought you had notes on the Millennial NASCAR. I don't know well, anything about the Millennial well, NASCAR. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it, it was in the Discord earlier, because, like, what, we were talking about this earlier, right? Because Bush, like, Bush Beer, actually, they had a bet last year that they wouldn't win a race, and if they did, they would have a pseudo-millennial oh, <laughs> liveried car um, if they would win a race. Turns out they didn't. It turns out they actually have to pay up on their bet. Hang on, King. Yeah, I'm reading the press release. Kevin Harvick's long-promised millennial-inspired paint scheme will appear on the car at the Monster Energy NASCAR All-Star Race. Yes. Have you seen the pictures, King? I want to hear a live reaction to this. <laughs> I've seen the video. I've seen the video. I mean, it's just, I've, I honestly, like, I, 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 I'm not gonna mince my words when I say this. I fucking hate it with every fiber of my being. It is every cliched stereotype that old people describe millennials as. Millennials who now can be as old as 38 years old, for the record, ladies and gentlemen. People who don't understand how age and terms work. It's a pink car. The Bush Beer logo has the AF on the side of it. So it's like Bush as fuck. Which I think is real funny. Oh, there was the, a fog harness. There was an air yeah. harness. They pulled the cheats off. No. Yep. There was a fog horn on it. There was like turn left was called turnt left. Yep. There was uh, a, a T emoji with, you know, Kermit the Frog on the side. 
you know, there was yeet. There's a yeet on the side Bush of the car. Bush is bay. Bush is bay. This is a thing. Bush AF. No. No. <laughs> yes, that was a thing. <sighs> Guess looks like when I have to watch the All-Star race this year. Why? Why would you want to see that in action? I want to see how long that it takes for someone to take out fucking Kevin Harvick. I hope Kevin Harvick, in a very safe manner, gets yeeted into the wall. <laughs> this this can't be a thing, okay? We we I I I can't stand for this. <laughs> it's terrible. I it's terrible, and I hate it. Like no. Just no. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Fucking Bush beer. But yeah, so, be sure to so, watch the NASCAR All-Star Race May 18th no! at 8pm on FS1. No! Don't condone this bullshit. <laughs> no. Don't watch it. Watch literally anything else instead. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> So King, does Lewis does Lewis Hamilton uh win, win at Spain this weekend? Uh, he definitely lost the Met Gala. Sure, he wins in Spain. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that shit. <laughs> we, we don't speak of that, quite frankly. Yeah, Hamilton Hamilton probably wins. Um, yes, Valtteri and, second. Valtteri second, and we got the full undercard for. What might be the last Spanish Grand Prix? That's a good point. Yeah, there's a good shot. There's a good chance of getting replaced for Zandvoort next year. So, uh, yeah, this could be the last one, you guys. Yep. Let's enjoy it. <laughs> Let's enjoy it. Let's try to uh, anyway. But it is yeah. Spain after all. Yeah, Formula Two is is there, so they they'll put on a good show if F1 disappoints, and we'll be seeing the uh, inaugural race for the FIA Formula 3 Championship. Which... Oh, fun! Uh, I would say there's not anyone that I expect to excite me out there. Probably oh, dear. People to cape for. Uh, Pedro Piquet's there. Nico Kari's there. He's gonna be a fun watch. Uh, Logan Sargent's there. Go USA! Um... Former King draft pick David Beckman's there. Oh, wow. Uh, two Renault Jr. drivers, Max Fettrell, uh, and uh, Louis Lungard. Probably, I mean, no, that's Christian Lungard. Uh, probably <laughs> there. They're just there. Renault, they have no future. Thanks, Renault. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, dear. Yeah, it should be... Should be entertaining races in, you know, F2, F3. No big names in F3, but, you know, who knows? Somebody could, somebody could pull out some dope passes, make a name for themselves. <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Let's enjoy the undercard. And we got Formula Re at Monaco this weekend as well. Um, who's, who's ready for dumpster fire? <laughs> Oh god, it's 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 diet Monaco as well. It's it's the it's the side road that goes into the back of the swimming pool. <laughs> the, the side road, also known as Avenue John F. Kennedy. <laughs> oh. 
prepare for the grassy knoll on the rundowns that happen. Um, yes. And uh, so, yeah, the rundown to the hairpin, which on the F1 circuit is the chicane. Uh, after the hairpin, the it's most likely the attack the attack zone. I mean, the attack mode activation point will be located. Uh, on the exit of the hairpin, on the against the inside wall. Can't wait. Can't how wait. Long before, how long before six cars wreck into the side of the wall? Because this track is just <laughs> this track is awful. We're gonna get thirty-five second lap times in these cars. Just race on the full Grand Prix circuit for frig's sake. Okay, you're fast enough now where you can get away with this shit. Okay, just oh, I got. But hey. We could get a ninth. We could very easily get a ninth different winner, and that would be pretty cool. Yeah. We How could long get... could Formula Streaks keep keep the streak going? <laughs> I wonder. Literally making new teams to keep the streak going. Yes, yes. It's time. It's time for Harrison Racing, folks. Okay. Harrison let's... Racing will take the stage, and and, and RJ O'Connell is driving for us. And we got this. See, we also have the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Quite right. I've got to be having Nico this weekend as well. Just kick off, kick off the month of way. More power winning? Uh, don't know. Anything could happen. I'd say wait till practice. Wait till practice. I'm going I'm to pin my hopes on that. It's Rossi. Should be also, fun. Also, uh, interesting thing note that's also happening this weekend. World Rallycross Championship uh, having their debut event at Spa. Which, yes, Ooh. Eau Rouge is, well... Not Eau Rouge, because it is actually... Oh, no, I almost did it. Fuck. Oh, my God. No, so, no. So, so, Thanks yes. for listening, everybody. Um, so, uh, don't, so, check yeah. out the YouTube account. Eau, Eau Rouge actually is not on the World Rally Cross Circuit, but Radion is. Ooh. <laughs> King, you don't know how close you were. <laughs> Oh lord! That was too close. You are close to the to the to, to meme immortality, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the holy grail was almost touched upon there. Like it's like since one of my podcasting with X Maddy G. <laughs> oh dear lord! Like on that note, I'm getting the hell up out of here. Yeah, we're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done. We are through. We are out. We're on YouTube.com. Oh, before we get, before we get. Going to Le Mans. Going to Le Mans, MotoGP. <laughs> Yay, Le Mans. That's going to be great. Looking forward to that. It's going to be probably a double taping next week, most likely. That's going to be fun. Woo, 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 woo. Uh, got, got the numbers wrong. Le Mans is actually in two weeks. Yeah, well, I think it might be the week after. Oh, well, still going to be a lot of fun stuff. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, and of course, our usernames at Harrison1HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell, who was here in spirit and in hairdresser form. Um, we're on motorsport101.com, our website, and of course on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Thanks to everybody who listened in. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, sayonara. And yes, should mention the crown jewel of the World Sidecar Cross Championship is happening this weekend. The Czech Grand Prix. Why couldn't you just say bye like a normal person? (laughs) There's been 191 shows. 
and, and we're still doing this, yeah? <laughs> Bye! <laughs>